Chapter 6 1. I am learning the pathways of the heart, Eleanor thought quite seriously, and then wondered what she could have meant by thinking any such thing. It was afternoon, and she sat in the sunlight on the steps of the summer house beside Luke. These are the silent pathways of the heart, she thought. She knew that she was pale and still shaken, with dark circles under her eyes, but the sun was warm and the leaves moved gently overhead, and Luke beside her lay lazily against the step. Luke, she asked, going slowly for fear of ridicule, why do people want to talk to each other? I mean, what are the things people always want to find out about other people? What do you want to know about me, for instance? He laughed. She thought, but why not ask what he wants to know about me? He is so extremely vain, and laughed in turn and said, what can I ever know about you beyond what I see? See was the least of the words she might have chosen, but the safest. Tell me something that only I will ever know, was perhaps what she wanted to ask him, or what will you give me to remember you by, or even nothing of the least importance has ever belonged to me. Can you help? Then she wondered if she had been foolish or bold, amazed at her own thoughts, but he only stared down at the leaf he held in his hands and frowned a little, as one who devotes himself completely to an absorbing problem. He is trying to phrase everything to make as good an impression as possible, she thought, and I will know how he holds me by what he answers. How is he anxious to appear to me? Does he think that I will be content with small mysticism, or will he exert himself to seem unique? Is he going to be gallant? That would be humiliating, because then he would show that he knows that gallantry enchants me. Will he be mysterious? Mad? And how am I to receive this, which I perceive already will be a confidence, even if it is not true? Grant that Luke take me at my worth, she thought, or at least let me not see the difference. Let him be wise, or let me be blind. Don't let me, she hoped concretely, don't let me know too surely what he thinks of me. Then he looked at her briefly and smiled what she was coming to know as his self-deprecatory smile. Did Theodora, she wondered, and the thought was unwelcome, did Theodora know him as well as this? I'd never had a mother, he said, and the shock was enormous. Is that all he thinks of me? His estimate of what I want to hear of him? Will I enlarge this into a confidence making me worthy of great confidences? Shall I sigh, murmur, walk away? No one ever loved me because I belonged, he said. I suppose you can understand that. No, she thought, you are not going to catch me so cheaply. I do not understand words and will not accept them in trade for my feelings. This man is a parrot. I will tell him that I can never understand such a thing, that maudlin self-pity does not move directly at my heart. I will not make a fool of myself by encouraging him to mock me. I understand, yes, she said. I thought you might, he said, and she wanted, quite honestly, to slap his face. I think you must be a very fine person, Nell, he said, and then spoiled it by adding, warm-hearted and honest. Afterwards, when you go home, his voice trailed off, and she thought, either he is beginning to tell me something extremely important, or he's killing time until this conversation can gracefully be ended. He would not speak in this fashion without a reason. He does not willingly give himself away. Does he think that a human gesture of affection might seduce me into hurling myself madly at him? Is he afraid that I cannot behave like a lady? What does he know about me? 
about how I think and feel. Does he feel sorry for me? Journeys end in lovers' meeting, she said. Yes, he said. I never had a mother, as I told you. Now I find that everyone else has had something that I missed. He smiled at her. I am entirely selfish, he said ruefully, and always hoping that someone will tell me to behave. Someone will make herself responsible for me and make me be grown up. He is altogether selfish, she thought in some surprise. The only man I've ever sat and talked to alone, and I am impatient. He is simply not very interesting. Why don't you grow up by yourself? She asked him, and wondered how many people, how many women, had already asked him that. You're clever. And how many times had he answered that way? This conversation must be largely instinctive, she thought with amusement, and said gently, You must be a very lonely person. All I want is to be cherished, she thought, and here I am, talking gibberish with a selfish man. You must be very lonely indeed. He touched her hand and smiled again. You were so lucky, he told her. You had a mother. 2. I found it in the library, Luke said. I swear, I found it in the library. Incredible, the doctor said. Look, Luke said. He set the great book on the table and turned to the title page. He made it himself. Look, the title's been lettered in ink. Memories for Sophia Ann Lester Crane, a legacy for her education and enlightenment during her lifetime from her affectionate and devoted father, Hugh Desmond Lester Crane, 21st June, 1888. They pressed around the table, Theodora and Eleanor and the doctor, while Luke lifted and turned the first page of the great book. You see, Luke said, his little girl is to learn humility. He's clearly cut up a number of fine old books to make this scrapbook, because I seem to recognize several of the pictures, and they're all glued in. The vanity of human accomplishment, the doctor said sadly. Think of the books Hugh Crane hacked apart to make this. Now here is a Goya etching, a horrible thing for a little girl to meditate upon. Underneath he is written, Luke said, under this ugly picture, Honor thy father and thy mother, daughter, authors of thy being, upon whom a heavy charge has been laid, that they led their child in innocence and righteousness along the fearful narrow path to everlasting bliss, and render her up at last to her God, a pious and virtuous soul. Reflect, daughter, upon the joy in heaven as the souls of these tiny creatures wing upward, released before they have learned aught of sin or faithlessness, and make it thine unceasing duty to remain as pure as these. Poor baby, Eleanor said, and gasped as Luke turned the page. Hugh Crane's second moral lesson, derived from a color plate of a snake pit and vividly painted snakes writhed and twisted along the page above the message, neatly printed and touched with gold. Eternal damnation is the lot of mankind. Neither tears nor reparation can undo man's heritage of sin. Daughter, hold apart from this world that its lusts and ingratitudes corrupt thee not. Daughter, preserve thyself. Next comes hell, Luke said. Don't look if you're squeamish. I think I will skip hell, Eleanor said, but read it to me. Wise of you, the doctor said. An illustration from Fox, one of the less attractive deaths, I've always thought. Although who can fathom the way of martyrs? See this, though? Luke said. He's burnt away a corner of the page, and here's what he says. Daughter, could you but hear for a moment the agony, the screaming, the dreadful crying out in repentance of those poor souls condemned to everlasting flame? Could thine eyes be seared but for an instant, with the red glare of wasteland burning always? 
Alas, wretched beings in undying pain. Daughter, your father has this minute touched the corner of his page to his candle and seen the frail paper shrivel and curl in the flame. Consider, daughter, that the heat of this candle is to the everlasting fires of hell as a grain of sand to the reaching desert. And as this paper burns in its slight flame, so shall your soul burn forever in fire a thousandfold more keen. I'll bet he read it to her every night before she went to sleep, Theodora said. Wait, Luke said, you haven't seen heaven yet. Even you can look at this one now. It's Blake and a bit stern, I think, but obviously better than hell. Listen, holy, 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 in the pure light of heaven, the angels praise him and one another unendingly. Daughter, it is here that I will seek thee. What a labor of love it is, the doctor said. Hours of time just planning it, and the lettering is so dainty, and the guilt now the seven deadly sins, Luke said, and I think the old boy drew them himself. He really put his heart into gluttony, Theodora said. I'm not sure I'll ever be hungry again. Wait till lust, Luke told her. The old fellow outdid himself. I don't really want to look at any more of it, I think, Theodora said. I'll sit over here with Nell, and if you come across any particularly edifying moral precepts you think would do me good, read them aloud. Here is lust, Luke said. Was ever a woman in this humor wooed? Good heavens, said the doctor. Good heavens. He, he must have drawn it himself, Luke said. For a child? The doctor was outraged. Her very own scrapbook. Note, pride, the very image of Arnell here. What? said Eleanor, starting up. Teasing, the doctor said placatingly. Don't come to look, my dear. He's teasing you. Sloth now, Luke said. Envy, said the doctor. How the poor child dared transgress. The last page is the very nicest, I think. This, ladies, is Hugh Crane's blood. Nell, do you want to see Hugh Crane's blood? No, thank you. Theo? No? Well, in any case, I insist, for the sake of your two consciences, in reading what Hugh Crane has to say in closing his book. Daughter, sacred pacts are signed in blood, and I have here taken from my own wrist the vital fluid which I bind you. Live virtuously, be meek, have faith in thy Redeemer and in me, thy Father, and I swear to thee that we will be joined together hereafter in unending bliss. Accept these precepts from thy devoted Father, who in humbleness of spirit has made this book. May it serve its purpose well, my feeble effort, and preserve my child from the pitfalls of this world, and bring her safe to her father's arms in heaven. And signed, Thy ever-loving father in this world and the next, author of thy being and guardian of thy virtue, in meekest love, Hugh Crane. Theodora shuddered. How he must have enjoyed it, she said, signing his name in his own blood. I can see him laughing his head off. Not healthy. Not at all a healthy work for a man, the doctor said. But she must have been very small when her father left the house, Eleanor said. I wonder if he ever did read it to her. I'm sure he did, leaning over her cradle and spitting out the words so they would take root in her little mind. Hugh Crane, Theodora said, you are a dirty old man, and you made a dirty old house, and if you can still hear me from anywhere, I would like to tell you to your face that I genuinely hope you will spend eternity in that foul, horrible picture and never stop burning for a minute. She made a wild, derisive gesture around the room, and for a minute, still remembering, they were all silent, as though waiting for an answer. And then the coals in the fire fell with a little crash, and the doctor looked at his watch, and Luke rose. 
The sun is over the yardarm, the doctor said happily.